welcome interviewing inspiration. This is Marshall Paris. And this is Joshua Busio. And we have the pleasure today with being with Eddie Paris, former executive vice president, credit officer, former chief operating officer at EMI Products, and CEO and owner at King Property Management. Thank you so much for being here today. And we're super excited for you to be on our show. Thank you for having me. This is a great honor for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, to kind of get us started and get us going, we always have one question that we like to ask to kind of get to know you a little bit. So, what would you say is the most exciting thing or the funnest thing that you did in your 20s? Well, in my 20s, that was, uh, that was a little while ago. You know what? I tell you. Since you guys are in college and spring break is coming up, I'll tell you one of the best practical jokes ever. And it comes from a person who's not really great at practical jokes. But when I was in college, I was on the Student Government Association, not because I was a nerd, but because it also involved a bit of a scholarship. Grew up in Florida, attended school in Florida. And for some reason, the Student Government Association for the state of Florida decided to have their annual conference over spring break, which meant basically I have a free all-expenses-paid trip to Daytona Beach, Florida for spring break, <laughs> which, if you think about it, is either really good planning or really bad planning on somebody's part. So... We go to Daytona Beach, and as you can imagine, it is typical spring break. Things happen that you really probably shouldn't be talking about, particularly on a reported podcast. But I remember distinctly that this hotel had an above-ground swimming pool that had a solid glass wall that looked down into the lobby. And as we walked in, I knew instantly that this was going to be a fabulous four-day weekend because we just arrived and as we look into the pool there are people skinny dipping already in the glass pool <laughs> so the rest of the week went pretty much like the entry and our first impression and we go back to school and we have a student government association meeting and it just so happens that it was on April Fool's Day. And I thought, what better thing to do? So I got with our student advisor and I wrote a letter. And the letter was from the president of this national hotel chain to the president of the university. And it specifically named our students and it named certain events of things that actually happened. And I was pretty conservative. I only named things about rolls of toilet paper flying off of the roof, uh, an occasional hole in the wall of a particular room, things of that nature. And at the meeting on April Fool's Day, our student advisor never said a word. He stood up and he said, in a very solemn and sincere, disciplined voice. Before you start the meeting today, I need to read a letter and you need to address something. You have to understand how quiet the room got. 
and there's 25 students here that are on this council. And when he finished the letter, he goes, I'd like to know what you have to say for yourself. And this one person sitting next to me said, well, I apologize. And he named something he did. And it went all the way around the table and people named activities and things that they did. And it got so bad that this sweet young Christian woman confessed to doing things with multiple people at the same time. <laughs> I, I was shocked. But by the time it went around all 24 people and it came back to me, I simply said, I'm appalled. I can't believe what you people did. And I'm embarrassed for the university and I'm embarrassed for what you did. And they all looked at me because they knew I did worse things than that. And then I got up and walked out of the room. And the student advisor to a completely quiet room said, I'd like you to think about what day it is. And then he walked out of the room and locked them in. And they all, you could just see it on their faces like, what do you mean what day it is? We've just confessed our worst sins in public. And then it occurred to them. This was April Fool's Day, and they were locked in a room and couldn't get at us to tear our heads off. <laughs> <laughs> they all confessed to everything they did. <laughs> Look at that. What a story for interviewing inspiration. Definitely a little cool thing about Spring Break, uh, but not to get into the more of the serious conversation. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your diverse roles? Uh, I know in your background you have a lot of different stuff that – under your belt. So can you tell us how you started your career and how you transitioned through all these different roles? Absolutely. Um, I went to college in Florida and grew up in a town where there wasn't a lot of opportunity. And so when I graduated from college, there weren't a lot of opportunities. I had an opportunity to come to Houston and work with the federal government as an auditor bank examiner. And they called and offered me the job. Now remember, this was before internet or anything else. And they said, we'd like you to come to work in Houston. And I said, oh my God, I've always wanted to go to Houston. So I accepted the job, hung up the phone, ran across campus to the library to get an atlas and figure out Houston. That, that's like south of Dallas, right? I had no idea where Houston was relative to the state of Texas. And I moved to Houston and started my career in banking. And uh, it was a great opportunity. It was a learning opportunity. And I was able to leapfrog that into an opportunity with a brand new bank that was starting when other banks were failing. I took a risk. And that's what it took. It took an entrepreneurial spirit, somebody that was willing to step out do something different and take a risk and taking that risk of coming to Houston. And then the really big risk of leaving a secure cush cut government job and joining an organization that's starting up when all the other banks around are failing. That's, that's actually really interesting. And so you took a risk and certainly whenever you actually took those risks, 
absolutely face some hardships. So what would you say are some of the main hardships that you faced whenever you were starting out in your career? You know, the hardest thing at that time was to set myself apart. You know, I started working with a bunch of guys that had already proved themselves, were experienced and knew what they were doing. And I had to come in and this new guy and prove myself. I had to be willing to make the commitment to work harder and longer and to stand out among a group of individuals that were very successful at what they were already doing. And uh, quite frankly, it, it was just the commitment to say, I'm going to be as good or better than them. And I'm willing to put in the hours and the extra work and whatever it takes to get there. No, yeah, definitely. Interviewing inspiration, always, always, you're listening from someone who has the experience and obviously made it work. So always, always take that leap of faith. That's it. It will probably change your life. Now, talking more about your banking situation, uh, you're like part of a career that you have to look at businesses, whether they receive credit or business loans. So can you tell us a little bit about what sets apart a business for all these college people whose desires are to create a business? What's like the best way for them to obtain credit business loans? Like what should they do to create a business that will get all those funds? Oh, great question. Um, you know, over the last 20 years, I have literally probably looked at 5,000 different businesses, literally analyzed their financial statements, their success and their failure. And the hardest question is, how do you get started? Um, you have to build some confidence. You can't just walk into a bank or a business partner or anybody else and say, I want to borrow money. I've got a great loan. You've got to get started and establish yourself first. And if that means you start small on a small scale and start building from there, then that's what you've got to do. Uh, big ideas do not mean you have the ability to borrow big money. You've got to prove yourself and start small and build up to it. Absolutely. That's So you would actually say you have to get started and you actually have to have some proof of concept kind of thing. It's not enough to just get started, but also you have to have a sort of solid foundation. Is that right? Let me give you an example. I live in Houston, Texas. The last time I saw the record, there were something like 10,000 different restaurants in the Houston greater metropolitan area. And to be fair, that includes every Chick-fil-A I've ever been to and every Raisin Cane's. But there's a lot of people out there in the restaurant business. 85% of restaurants fail in the first year. So a lot of people are out there starting and trying. If there's 10,000 restaurants and 85% of those are going to fail, that means there's a lot of people in the queue coming along behind them. So you got to put your own money and your own idea at risk and prove yourself before you can step up to a bank or an investment bank or anybody else and say, I need to borrow big money and go big time. 
I actually have a question regarding the 85% rule. What, from your experience, what was the, the, I guess, the key factor that differentiated the 25%? I don't know if you have that knowledge, but I'm, uh, I'm curious, and I bet interviewing inspiration would be curious as well, of what actually made the other one successful. Was there, like, different characteristics, or, or what was different about them? You know, whether it's a restaurant or any business that services the customer, I think the commitment to customer service that shows sets any business in any industry apart from anything else. We've all had a bad experience at a business or at a restaurant or any place else. And when that happens, we talk about it all the time to people. But for the numerous other times that we've had great success and great service, we don't really share that, do we? We're a, we're a community that likes to talk about what went bad or what was unfavorable. But I guarantee you in the last three months, you guys have been to some really great places and had a great time. But it seems like what we talk about most are the times that went bad. So you got to find a way to set yourself apart have great customer service and get people to talk about it. Absolutely. And I hope that everyone that is listening is taking these down is really, really thinking about what all this means. And so moving on from your banking career, after your banking career, you actually moved into the role of COO of EMI products, a manufacturing type company. What would you say are some of the biggest changes whenever you went in there some of the biggest things that you actually learned going in there um emi is a manufacturing company they take raw steel and manufacture things for the oil industry and it's a multi-million dollar a year company and quite frankly i went from analyzing companies and understanding how they do things to being placed in a role to actually execute on that and do that myself. So for example, I could always go in and understand a company, their revenues, their profit margins, their budgets, their financial projections. Now all of a sudden I'm in a role of having to say, we have to build $25 million worth of product a year and do it profitably what steps are we going to do to make that happen? So, okay. So what are some of the ways that you actually did that in a sense, actually making that transition? Some of it I did really well and some of it I learned on the fly. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard to describe how you make that transition. I walked in with the knowledge that I could do and I walked in with a very clear understanding that I had a lot to learn and that I better be open to learning as much as I can. It's okay to be an expert in some areas, but it's more important to acknowledge that other people around you know more than you do. And you're willing to listen and learn from those people and take in what they have to offer and what they have to contribute. That's how you get to be successful. And going uh, towards that success uh, in your belt, you do have 
being CEO and owner of uh, your own company, I know a lot of people have that goal. So can you tell us what actually made you decide and start your own while you had a pretty secure job, I would say? What, what made you do that leap of faith in starting your own business? There is absolutely nothing in the world as challenging or as rewarding as being your own boss and owning your own business. Over the years, there have been several opportunities where I've had an op- where I've invested in companies, uh, and I owned part of EMI, but I didn't own it all, and I didn't have the final say. So I've always had my eyes open for that opportunity. And when I had the chance to acquire an existing company, it's called King Property Management. I had done work with this firm for seven years. When I finally approached the owner about buying it, the owner was receptive to selling. took me nine months to negotiate the deal and then finally get it to the closing table. But it took that persistence because I knew I could be successful at it, and I wanted to be my own boss, and I was willing to invest my money and my time and take that risk. So you actually took over a company, in a sense, or you actually bought a company. So what were some of the biggest challenges in actually taking over and that you would maybe do differently? in the transition of actually running a business? I'd love to pay less, but that's not going to happen. Wow. What would I do differently? You know, I don't know that I'm smart enough to answer that, quite frankly. I was able to come in. We retained 95% of the existing clients. We retained 75% of the existing workforce. We've been able to grow the client base, and we've been able to add to our employees. I tell you, my primary focus coming in was to reach out and touch every client that I could and let them know, that my commitment was to customer service and I'm available by phone or text or email. I want to know when things are going wrong. I got to tell you, it's been so fast and everything's been so furious. I haven't had an opportunity to step back and say, gosh, what what could I do better? Where did I make mistakes? Because quite frankly, I've been so busy all day, every day. It just, I don't even have time to stop and look back to what happened last year or last month to see what I should have, could have done better. Maybe that's the answer. I need to slow down and look at where I can improve. All right. All right. And I guess with that in mind that you may not have had the ability to stop and think about what you have done in the past. What about kind of looking the other way in terms of looking into the future, seeing what you have done, what would you do differently, keep the same, or lessons that you've learned and you're going to bring forward? Lessons that I'm bringing forward. 
I made a commitment to all the employees that we would make this a very positive, fun place to work with great benefits. I told them it wouldn't quite be like Google or Yahoo, but that we would make a lot of positive changes, and we've done that. Uh, I've told our clients that we would improve in our performance and our service, and we've done some of that. I think my primary focus going forward is improving our corporate reputation and improving our growth yield and growth curve after we improve our reputation. Also, uh, just going back on your entrepreneurship, entrepreneur lifestyle and just your venture, you did mention that being your own boss was one of the best things that you could do. But I'm curious, what was, say, the top three hardest things into becoming your own boss? Like making your own schedule, just being your own boss. Can you give me the top three hardest things of being part of that? Failure. I don't know anybody who's owns their own company or that is successful that has it failed at some point along the line. And uh, you got to understand that failure is short term and that's one day. And then you start over and you rebuild. So many of the successful people that you hear about, if you research their background, they failed or they weren't successful until this current venture that you're reading about. You got to recognize that not everything's going to be a success. But one failure doesn't shut the door. You just got to come back strong and keep going. All right. And so that actually is. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So unfortunately, we do only have time for one more question. And that would be for someone who's starting out their career, for someone who's going out in the world and wants to learn more about business, wants to go out and make an impact. What advice would you give? Three things, and it speaks to the workforce we have today and the way people are. Number one, just show up. You don't have to be the best at what you do, but if you will show up every day and be positive, that goes so much further than being the absolute best. I have passed up on employees that are far more qualified or could do far better in favor of somebody that is dependable and will just show up every day and do exactly what they're asked. Second thing, try and hook your train to a rising star. If you get an opportunity to start out in a company, look at those people in that company that are successful. And watch what they're doing. If you can help them and support them and get their confidence, they'll want to bring you along and make you successful because it makes them look better. So anytime you can join a company, whether it's in real, real estate or retail sales or even in accounting or anything else, if you can find somebody that's doing it really well and establish a relationship with them, that's very positive for you. And I think the last thing 
is all about attitude and willing to do what it takes. You know, we get into an environment where we only want to work 9 to 4.30. We want lots of vacation and we want time off for our friends and our social life and everything else. But the reality is those people that get ahead are the ones that are willing to do more and do a little bit extra when everybody else is going home or says, I don't want to. So have that positive can-do, I-will-do attitude, and it'll go a long way. Interviewing inspiration. I hope you wrote those down. These are amazing tips just from the experience, someone who actually created his own business and runs his own business. Amazing, amazing stories. Thank you so much, Mr. Eddie Paris. We really appreciate your time and all your advice. I know you're going to help a lot of people. And thank you so much for, for being in the show. Interviewing Inspiration, we will see you next week. From everyone here at Interviewing Inspiration, we'd like to say thank you for all of our listeners and all of the people who have supported us. We'd also like to say thank you for the people in Interviewing Inspiration who has made this possible. Harsh Adani, our co-owner and producer. Matthew Regawi, the head of business development and operations. Avin Pasoar, the creative director. Matthew Martinez, the business and technical advisor. We'd also like to give a special thank you to Mark LaCour for helping us get started up. He's actually got some podcasts of his own. Go check them out. They're about oil and gas, and they're actually really great. In addition, Cameron Turin, the creator of our music for this podcast, and everyone who has come on the show to be interviewed and share their knowledge. Thank you.